The InvinoFab podcast brings meaningful conversations to our community of listeners. Part of this is sharing stories with and by our friends like Telesom, who want to bring meaningful experiences to you. At Telesom, we're on a mission to create meaningful work for sommeliers, meaningful connections for wine lovers, and to change the face of wine. For this season of InvinoFab, we're honored to raise a glass with sommeliers who want to share their wine secrets and knowledge with you. For this season of InvinoFab, we're collaborating with Telesom to fill your cup and your ear with sommelier stories, uncorking the wine tales. For another Telesom Psalm story, we're joined by Katerina Anderson. Katerina Anderson is a wine writer, digital marketing strategist for wineries, translator, and live streamer. She was born in Sweden, but has lived in Florence for 20 years. Katerina has a PhD in history and taught modern history at university for a couple of years. Katerina is a sommelier. So to, to start us off, we would love to hear your Psalm story. How did you get into this wine work? So actually, I after my PhD, I decided to stay in, in I mean, I, I went back and forth a while teaching at university in Sweden, and I decided to stay here, and I moved to Bologna for more or less for a couple, three, four years, I think, or something due to a guy <laughs> I met there. And then I came back uh, to Florence uh, again, and with a friend, we just, uh, we just, Kind of, we were we were into wine for quite some time. I mean, I was, and I had taken this kind of short course, you know, introduction to to wine and stuff like that. But I just saw that they they had this course, sommelier course in the center of Florence, which was convenient because they live close to the center. So I kind of convinced a friend uh, who is actually not she was not drinking <laughs> at all, <laughs> not into alcohol. But I said, no, you have to come with me. We have to do this. This is cool. <laughs> so she liked it also. And I mean, it's not that she's not drinking. She just doesn't like it very much. But then she actually liked it because it was very interesting. So so uh, she actually drinks wine now. And it just turned in. We wanted to go like for one level, like the first level. And then it turned into the second, the third. And we did the diploma. And then it was like, okay. Because we visited a lot of wineries also with the group. Uh, that we were studying with and you know the the, the teachers or the uh, at the sommelier course so I just started writing for for fun on a this kind of free uh, blog I actually didn't think anybody was reading it <laughs> apart from friends and, and things like that but actually people started kind of you know contacting me and also tweeting me you know that they read my articles so it, it all started like that because I am a sommelier, but I, I've never worked as a sommelier. I'm more like the theoretical part. <laughs> so I just uh, I just started writing instead, and it just developed to become more like a wine writer and than uh, than actually being a sommelier, even if I am a sommelier. So that's how it started. <laughs> so technically, you're a sommelier, but what yes. do you write about? Like, what's driving you to write in the world of wine? I write, I mean, it also started out there that I, I started writing about Italian wine because I'm I'm in Italy, so it was easier, you know, to, to go to wineries here. And then actually it became sort of a niche because I discussed then, you know, with, with some Americans who wrote me because they're interested in wine, but they were more like in the, the tech and, and, you know, social media marketing business. So they said, no, you have to have a niche. It's easier, you know, if you have something 
It's like, yeah, oh, you should do Italian wine. Okay. So it all started kind of with, with Italian wine. So it's, but it's not that I'm, I'm limited to that. I mean, I write about other things too. If, if, you know, if, if I taste or if, if, if the situation is there, but so I like uh, lesser known areas. I like the, the smaller producers and winemakers. I like these areas of Italy that now are starting to become a bit known again. Uh, lesser known grapes. Uh, the wines that are not like the usual wines that everybody are like, you know, talking about because they're the big brands or because, you know, they have a lot of marketing, which, I mean, of course, they're good wines, but they're also very kind of, you know, created wines sometimes. So I like to kind of put the light or shine the light on, on you know, more the the people who are farmers at heart who actually do a lot of hard work and still, you know, they bring forth a tradition that has perhaps been in the family for for generations without being, you know, a nobility or having like, you know, a international, multinational, no international kind of winery that it's it's known everywhere, but they, they kind of work on their own and they, perhaps it's only the family or they have, you know, a mid-sized winery because I think Italy is made up of all these small winemakers and farmers. And those are the ones who are actually doing, you know, a lot of good work. And there's a lot of good wine out there that people don't know about that is also very cheap. I mean, you don't have to pay like, I don't know, a hundred or hundred and fifty dollars for a really good bottle of wine. Of course, I would like everybody to to kind of you know sell and and, and have a good return on on what they're doing. But I still think you can find really good wine to really good prices. So that is intriguing. Could you tell <laughs> more about maybe two or three tips for for finding a really good wine at a less expensive price? Well, then I, the, the, the problem there is if they're imported to the U.S., but I think more and more they're starting. So, I mean, I would go to this, these areas like, it depends also what kind of wine you like, but if you like kind of a more smooth and to kind of high acidity or too much tannins, of course, you shouldn't go to a Salirantin or to Sangiovese because it might be a bit more, you can go to some of the Sangiovese if it's a bit more aged, so it has had a bit more time. But otherwise, you can go like there are lots of primitivo now. There are not the primitivo of the 90s and 80s with you know high alcohol and lots of sweetness, overripeness. But there's a lot of producers now doing really good uh, primitivo, and there's also different how do you say versions of uh, or areas of primitivo. So you have the Manduria, which is the most well known I think in the world. But you also have kind of smaller wineries doing really good work there now trying to to keep the alcohol lower to me make the wines more uh i mean they're always drinkable but less over sweetened and then you have the joya del Colo, which is kind of the the elegant from primitivo because they have a bit more of altitude the kind of the the, the terroir or the, the the microclimate is a bit different so it's not as warm as as in manduria so manduria is on the seaside towards the ionian sea so you get a bit more fresh, elegant. Perhaps you also have, still, of course, you have the fruit, but you can also have more kind of herby, how do you say, forest floor, because it, it's a bit more on higher altitude and there, you know, it might be, as I said, different kind of nature. So, I mean, you can find really, really good 
good wines there and, and they don't need to be that expensive. I mean, there's a lot of smaller producers and, and some of them are even exporting to, to the U.S. You share the benefits of your applied experience because you've immersed yourself in Florence <laughs> and your study. So can you share a little bit about what it means to study and then theoretical and then go out into the applied practice in the fields and in the on, amongst the vines? I think, uh, so, I mean, I've always been, a, you know, I always like to study a lot, <laughs> even though, you know, with age, you kind of get a bit bored about it because it gets harder and harder. But yeah, I mean, I studied a sommelier course and I must say it, it was a bit difficult because it wasn't Italian. Even if I live here since a long time, it was kind of, you know, a field where I, I wasn't comfortable with the terminology because it wasn't my kind of study field, <laughs> field of study. But when I was done with the sommelier course, everybody thought like, you know, that you knew everything because you have studied like, you know, three levels. But in reality, you don't because you know what they say in the books and you, you have visited wineries a couple of times. But I realized very quickly that that's not enough because you don't understand that much and you don't have the sensibility in tasting either unless you have had, you know, years before that you tasted a lot. But then uh, then you didn't know, you know, what perhaps what you were tasting or how you should taste either. So I just started since I, I got this opportunity because when I started my blog with my, you know, my own name and, and domain, it it went very quickly that, that I also started getting invited and then I started also to kind of visit more visit more wineries on my own. And I realized that the more I was out traveling, the more I was seeing, the more I was tasting, uh, the more opportunities I, I had to, to be invited to these kind of virtual tastings, kind of tasting events and listening also. I mean, I think listening is, is probably the most important thing. So you can go around, you can look, you can... Uh, you can taste, but if you don't listen to what other people with more experience, you know, say, you, not that you have to to take everything at face value, you know, to think like, okay, what they say is the absolute truth or something, but but just to hear the different opinions. And I, I realized that I learned really a lot. And uh, basically, I've been traveling now for like, well, five, six years from north to south, uh, a lot in the south, like Campania, Calabria, Puglia. Abruzzo a bit less, uh, Basilicata a bit, uh, Lazio, Tuscany of course, also Veneto and Lombardy. So I mean, the more you travel, the more you see, the more you learn. And um, but then of course, there's I mean, you're you're never an expert. <laughs> so it's a lot of new things to see and to to learn. So I think like you know, of course. Uh, uh, theory is very good because without theory you don't know what you see but without the practical at least in wine I think without seeing what they're doing how they're doing it it's hard to to understand based on that um, you, you said listening is a really good kind of sensory thing and since we are listening on, on on a podcast I wonder what sounds do you associate with wine I think like kind of, how do you say in, in English, like uh, as if it was, of course it's wine, but if as if it was water, you know, kind of flushing. Trickling? So if you go into a tank, you know, into the winery and you see this, this big tanks when they do the pump overs and you hear this kind of sound. And uh, I also always come, to, at least when, when it's, 
uh, wineries or vineyards close to the seaside. I also always think about water. So I don't know. <laughs> probably liquid. Liquid is probably, you know, the sounds. And then I don't know. I guess the sound of the, the glasses, but that's more kind of an added uh, thing. Uh, I think also that the sounds of the vineyard. So probably, you know, the wind, uh, the animals, uh, that you can find, like the biodiversity in a vineyard that is very kind of trendy now to talk about biodiversity. <laughs> and uh, But I think, yeah, I mean, if you go and uh, you can actually, and it's very silent, you can hear like the bees, the, the birds, you can, you can hear a lot of animals and, and uh, live things in the vineyard. And I think that's, that's probably also very kind of connected to. And you also talked about all the traveling that you've done. We're wondering, what's the most interesting or exciting place you've tasted wine? The coolest place like was when, we, when I was invited by a winery to this kind of, but this is more luxury. So it was like a five-star resort in, in Puglia. So they invited us to this kind of, they wanted to celebrate their success or something uh, <clears throat> the last 20 years. So basically we had tastings for two days. Uh, so this is like a, an old farm. The, they're called Masseria in, in Puglia that has then turned into a resort. So basically we had the tastings and lunches also in the, the inner courtyards with the, the old houses around and, and also, of course, now with pools and stuff. But that's more the luxury part. Uh, but otherwise, tasting wine, I think, I think when you taste also like in the, in the barrel room, so I remember at, at one uh, Sagrantino event, uh, one of the last days, I visited a winery which was new to me, uh, Tenuta Bellafonte, and it was only me, another journalist from uh, from UK, who is actually also a master wine, a friend of hers, and then um, the woman who works at the winery. She's not the owner, but she kind of manages. Uh, and after having like a very kind of intimate tasting, we were only like, yeah, three people or four people and learning a lot about the difference in vintages uh, in the Sagrantino wines we were tasting. We were also kind of then walking into the, to the barrel room and, and tasting, you know, uh, different barrel samples. And I think that's also another very interesting thing, you know, where you learn a lot because, of course, they're explaining what, what you're tasting and, and how it is. And um, I think that that was really, and the same thing was also like when I was at, at another winery, uh, I think the same year, year, year before, at the really tiny winery in, uh, in Campania, close to Salerno. So it's a small, uh, it's Mila Buolo, she's a woman and, and uh, she has the family house like just on the outskirts of the city up on the hill. So it feels like you're almost still in, in, in the town, but it's kind of the outskirts and she has the vineyards there with the, it's still kind of volcanic soil. And she has like this kind of a garage winery. It's basically on, on the back of, of, the, of the villa. And uh, we also tasted from barrel samples there. And the same was with, um, uh, with a wine producer in Calabria in Chiro actually has his winery in his cellar uh, and they have like I think it, his father and then his grandfather already had uh, made bulk wine there so they actually have these old cement tanks 
uh, and also uh, steel tanks that are just like you just walk down from the living room down to the cellar or something. That was that was also very very much fun to taste the barrel samples there. So it sounds like sommelier life is ongoing learning, and uh, you seem like you're a lifelong learner. What are some of the lessons you learned as a sommelier that you probably apply to your own life in general beyond wine? I think like, so I've always been, uh, as you said, cur- curious and I, I like to learn. And I mean, but still when I was more in academic, of course, it was a bit more, I mean, not serious, but it was a bit more formal and regulated how you do things, you know, how you present things, how you write things. I think what I like about this this side that I have discovered now is that I have more liberty to to express myself but also well as a as a sommelier I think also that I discovered a world where there's a lot of people because wine is like the, the common denominator you know but there's people from all kind of social levels uh, professions so it can be everything from uh, I don't know a farmer, a mechanic to, I don't know, a CEO. So, I mean, you, you get all these kind of impressions from people, you know, you learn a lot, not only from, you know, going to, to wineries or to tastings, but, but also just by interacting with people. And also like when you're on press tours, so a lot of the wine writers have other jobs. I mean, because I don't think there's that many wine writers today who can live off journalism. So also there, I mean, you get you get all these impressions of what people do when when they're not talking about wine, which I think still kind of, as you say, they kind of still influence how you look upon wine. That's really neat, Katarina. Thank you so much. This is like a nice little oh, short, you. I mean, short I course. I was like, I have to go back and take notes and find those wines. So thank you. <laughs> if you want a list of wines, I can I can write you a list of wines. Please, that'd oh, be great. Thank you very much for this opportunity, or thank you also, Vanessa. Indeed, we love Vanessa Raymond and her friends at Telesom. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to an Invino Fab and Telesom production, The Somalia Stories, Uncorking Wine Tales. If you liked this episode, tell a friend to subscribe and leave us a rating review in Apple Podcasts. Telesom brings the psalm to you. Check us out online at telesom.app. We're on Instagram at telesom.app. We can't wait to meet you.